Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being here. Let me tell you what my August has been like so far. Both of my children made a cross-country trip together from Wyoming to North Carolina, which is 1,800 miles. And, of course, my daughter lives with us, and she will be starting her senior year of high school here next week. But she needed to get her vehicle this direction. And so my son, who is two and a half years older than his sister, made the trip with her. And they had some crazy adventures and funny times. And of course, I'm sure they fought a little bit along the way too, because they are siblings. But it made my heart happy to think of those two doing their thing, you know, alone and without parents or anybody weighing in. I, of course, had hotels or Airbnbs along the way for them to stay and was in touch with them. But, you know, they just figured it out. And that was really a a sweet experience to sort of hold a space for. And they got here unscathed and with stories to tell. And so my son has been visiting for the last week, and he, in fact, extended his visit for a few more days. And we went to Charleston for a few days um, midweek and had a lovely time. My son is very interested in, in older buildings and antiques and things of that nature, which I think I have shared with you. And my daughter just absolutely loves Charleston. She is a coastal child, (laughs) newly discovered coastal child, having lived most of her life in Wyoming, but she loves the water. And my son has never been a swimmer and has shown an appreciation for the ocean the few times that we've been to it in his growing up. But now that we're actually living nearby, um, you know, he wanted to see it, but I didn't anticipate that there would be this big shift in him this time. And sure enough, you know, my daughter was out there in the water. It was a a gray day. It was not too hot, which is really unusual for this, this month in Charleston. I mean, August in Charleston is normally a furnace, but it was, it was not too hot. It was overcast and this beautiful sort of filtered light through the gray because if you live in any coastal areas, you'll know that the light does special things. Um, But here we were, and it was raining intermittently. Um, And I hadn't even taken my suit this time because I didn't think my son would want to spend much time there. And so, you know, I was definitely going to go get my feet in the water, but wasn't planning on swimming. And he just completely became mesmerized with that water. And it was warm because, of course, it's been warming all summer. And he got in up to, you know, rolled up his jeans and got in up to his knees with his pant legs rolled up. But then he's just like, I'm going to go change and um, just, you know, like wear the shorts I had on yesterday and get in the water. And he's like, Mom, you've got to, too. And I didn't have anything, but I figured, well, I could put on what I had on yesterday, too. 
we'll just figure it out. And Jordy, who did bring a swimsuit, <laughs> was already ready to roll. And the three of us spent like two and a half hours just bobbing in the Atlantic. And it, the, the waves were so playful and relatively gentle, but they did gather some energy as the time elapsed and it was so peaceful. There weren't a lot of people at the beach when we were there. Just a few people doing a little bit of surfing, um, a few families, but you could feel that school and jobs were pulling people back into their routines. And so it was kind of this little moment midweek in Charleston where we had this lovely window of time with this incredible water. And I feel so much the pull of eternity when I am at the ocean, just like when I look up at the sky um, into the zillion stars, you know, those moments of vastness. And I love how I feel when I am enveloped by oceanic waters, even though it certainly has my attention and it's something to be mindful of, you know, riptides and all the rest of it. But we didn't go out that far. And it was magical and it was soothing. And it changes you. I've said that before on the podcast when I've made a trip to the water's edge. And my son, I was I knew my daughter was loving it, but she always has. But it was just so amazing to me. Like, she and I kept looking at each other like, what the hell? <laughs> like, this kid was totally reveling in the Atlantic waters. And it was so sweet and amazing to see that this had shifted for him. And he was out as far as anybody. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And he really can't swim. <laughs> So uh, he loved it and he was, didn't really want to go. And because I, you know, we'd put money in the parking meter a couple of times already. And I said, well, do you want to eat breakfast? Are you ready? Or I, And he's like, let's say 10 more minutes. And this was after being there like two and a half hours. So it was just this sweet, unexpected joy and at times, um, it rained on the water while we were in it. There wasn't any lightning or anything, but it was, I had never had that experience before about being in the water while the rain was coming down. And that was a beautiful sight and feeling. And again, just those moments where you feel swept up into something larger. And it was just truly a pleasure to share that with my children and laugh and just be. And so that has been a lovely part of my August. I've been thinking about the podcast um, and decided to go ahead and do a little mini workshop today on imagination. And so um, I've just taken the work of Eckhart Tolle, of Neville Goddard, of C.G. Jung, and I've taken bits that each of those people each of those masters in my life, profound, profound helpers in my journey, 
have um, shared for using imagination as a practice, as a vehicle for affecting change. And the more I see all that's happening in the collective, in the world out there, um, and in the world in here, in the psychic space, I know this is where we're all heading eventually. Some of us are practicing these new skills now. Some of us will soon. But I know that through my own experience and then just witnessing how things in the collective space are not responding to the old vehicles for change, that learning to communicate with the psychic space, with the subconscious, with the unconscious, with the divine will, however you would like to word or language that, through the imagination, through the pineal faculty that we all have, that third eye area, um, you can think of that literally or metaphorically, I don't care, but we all have an imagination and it's not just there to make things up. That, I would argue, would be the use of fantasy. You know, you could have fantasies about, you know, different things. But imagination is, is a way of being active in the psychic space so as to manifest something in the physical space. And for most of our lives, we do things in the opposite way. We try to go out into the physical space and maybe spend a little bit of time trying to learn about the psychic or inner space, but we're always trying to create change externally first. It doesn't work that way. I have proven this to myself so many times, but that is really the, the illusion as Peter Kingsley would say, one of the grand illusions that we are operating under is that all the stuff we see out there is real. It is not real in the psychic sense. We are looking at our own psychic state coming back at us. Now, of course, there is the collective piece doing its thing as well. But without you know diving into a lot of that philosophy and sort of esoteric orientation, you can check out my past podcasts for that with Mystery School. Um, I just wanted to give you a practical podcast today for how we do this, because I've distilled it down to four very simple steps that I would love for you, if this feels appropriate to you, to try in the next week or until I post again for the second podcast in August um, and just see what happens. I would love to hear from you. You know, there's links um, on wherever you're getting your podcast to reach out to me. So this is really important work that we can do. And I'm starting to coalesce around this term called psychic activism And I'm really digging that. (laughs) 
And it just sort of landed in my consciousness one day because there's all forms of activism. Um, and, you know, being born in 1971, I was born at a time where so much was happening in the space of women's liberation and equality and so much um, social activism at the time. And I've really uh, enjoyed learning about what figures at that time were doing on my behalf and on the culture's behalf to to move that forward, to move those ideas forward. And of course, in the present moment, there's so many important conversations about race and gender and all kinds of expression and sexuality and and all the rest of it these are important conversations and i can't speak with the greatest clarity around every one of those because it's not my lived experience and i don't want to appropriate or um, speak to something that I am not experientially coming from. Having said that, I feel that this is why psychic activism is so important and so helpful because we can be putting out incredible intentions for the healing of all of these areas, whether we have lived them experientially or not. So, um, and of course, you know, doing your own work in your own life with this incredibly powerful tool. So that is my impetus for sharing today. I wanted you to have something very practical to have moving forward. Experiment with this. See what happens. It is weird. I'm going to just tell you that straight away. It's weird in the beginning it's both weird and exciting because as I am becoming more familiar with who I really am from that I am space that we've shared so much in the podcast, I know this is the I know this is the route. I know this is the route to the unfolding that is me. So it's exhilarating and exciting on one level, but your mind is going to push back a bit and say, yeah, this is awesome for about 12 hours. <laughs> and then it's going to throw sand in the gears and say, what are you doing? That's my experience. I'm guessing it'll be a bit of yours. Um, and you persevere through that because you're shifting that center of gravity from believing in the external space first and only thinking that that's real to shifting to the internal psychic space, knowing that that is the creative matrix of what you're actually experiencing externally. It's so profound and it's, it's a trip. It is a trip. And Neville Goddard, who I have shared his work with you in the past, he's really great about taking biblical terms and giving new meaning from this orientation, from this depth psychological orientation about what the imagination is actually for. Um, he's great about sort of taking those biblical terms that many of us have probably grown up with 
and putting it in this new space. So let me give you an example, the pearl of great price, meaning this new way of doing things, this matrix of creation and of allowing the revelation of who you are as the creatrix of your experience to unfold and and becoming very skillful with that. Um, Another term you've probably used if you had any sort of biblical training in your past is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Neville Goddard refers to that as keeping the frequency alive and the doubt at bay once you have put an intention into motion. And and I'll explain that when I go through the four principles of doing this. So the Sabbath wasn't an external thing. It was an internal state for activating the manifestation of the divine through you. So I love that. I mean, that's really exciting for me. Um, But because we're embracing all of these ideas of image, I want to make clear again that From a Jungian perspective, an image is not just a visual image. It could be a sound. It could be a song. It could be a texture. It could be a taste. It could be a feeling. Often it is a visual image, but it could be anything. And image, from a depth psychological perspective, is how the unconscious speaks. It doesn't speak in a lot of words. Just think of your dream life. Occasionally you get some words. Occasionally you get some dialogue. But most of the time you just get this symphony of images. And the images have no no bounds. They can do whatever. There are no rules of gravity um, or anything. You know, there are all kinds of things happening in the dream life with images that we don't even question But when we wake up, we're like, oh, yes, but there are different rules here. And part of working with the imagination is breaking down that thought system right there. Because, of course, I'm not advocating that in your waking space, you know, that you don't continue to buckle up in your car and and know that gravity is exerting a force on you. I'm not saying that. Having cautioned that, though, um... We want to get out of our mental habits. We want to get out of that comfort zone, thinking that the only thing I can do to affect change is to go out in the world and try to, you know, force it to happen or even inspire it to happen. My experience is when you are meant to start shifting to the imaginal way of creating your life, that those old systems break down and and they're like walking through quicksand or jello. I mean, the just the old ways just don't work anymore. And there's a time that that is really frustrating until you start to get more supple psychically with the new way, which is the authentic way. But having said all of this about image, I wanted to bathe us in some rich imagery during this podcast before I talk about the four points. And I will start with um, sharing more of my poetry about the sturgeon moon that we are in right now. We're in the waning phase right now for one more week. 
And then incredibly, around the 27th, I believe, I'm looking at my calendar, yep, around the 27th of August, we'll have a new moon again that will begin for the harvest moon. Can you believe that? I mean, my God, the passage of time, the the fullness of the harvest season just quickening all about us. It's just breathtaking to me that here we are. So I want to share a little bit more about the sturgeon moon, because if you remember back from last time, the sturgeon are these just ancient fish that are definitely connected to the Native American tradition. And they represented early harvest and the early bounties going into full harvest. And I wrote this about the full moon that has just passed. The moon is full of stories bearing witness to the theater of humans and gods. She knows. So when one is in need of a bit of advice, when one is longing for something half-remembered, when one is stuck with an idea too big or too small, when one is sensing greatness in the shadowlands, sit with her. She will tell you a tale of madness and grief, of the tenacity of love, of the simple mend. In her company, the heart will steady and the flow of lifeblood will begin again. And this I wrote about the waning moon, a silver dart. She swam in the ocean above my experience, beyond the boundaries. I learned from her quick moves in bright ways, less hesitation. I learned from her willingness to speak, to stars, to beings unlike herself, oneness. I learned from her ease at home in the new ocean, in the new ocean. This work is about communication, experiential dwelling, and creative power in the new ocean of psychic experience and of your authentic self. And one poet who's out there doing incredible work, if you are not familiar with him, his name is Tom Hirons, H-I-R-O-N-S. You can find him at Tom hirons.com and please go there oh my gosh that is if you love words if you love storytelling if you love poetry it is a feast an imaginal feast being on his web page and seeing what he has to offer he is a poet's poet in my estimation I love his images they're so archetypal And they speak so fully to my heart and imagination. And it's so easy for me to feel inspired 
about creating when I follow his work. And I want to share one of his poems today called Sometimes a Wild God. And I don't do this lightly because you should definitely hear him do it. And on his website, he himself reads this. Please listen to that. He's so fantastic. And and all the words are right there for you to follow along. Support him. Support his work. Um, He runs with his wife a great company called Hedge Spoken Press. And his wife does a lot of the artwork that accompanies his work. And they just have a whole cool thing going on. They are in the UK. And my images in my own life have had a lot of bears recently. And I'm not going to go into that right now because it's really personal. And I've been seeing bears in my waking life and in my psychic life everywhere. And I know this is profound and it may be something I talk about in the future, but right now I'm just being with it. It's helpful. It's guiding me. But my copy of Tom Hiron's Sometimes a Wild God has a bear on the front. And so I just felt like I should share it today because these images are so powerful that he evokes And I wanted to set that beautiful scene with you as we dive into this work on imagination, intentional imagination, psychic activism, even if it's just activating your own life, that's fine. You don't have to go, quote unquote, save the world, but our own lives are a great place to begin. But I just want to set the stage and take some time with this poem And I'll have some nature sounds playing and a little bit of time for contemplation here. And then after this is done, then I will share the four points that you can play with and try in the in the days ahead and see what happens for you. So with this lovely poem by Tom Hirons. I will begin now with sometimes a wild god. Allow yourself to just feast on whatever comes up. Feast on the words, feast on the power of the images that arise for you. Sometimes a wild god for the awkward ones. Sometimes a wild god comes to the table He is awkward and does not know the ways of porcelain, of fork and mustard and silver. His voice makes vinegar from wine. When the wild god arrives at the door, you will probably fear him. He reminds you of something dark that you might have dreamt or the secret you do not wish to be shared. He will not ring the doorbell. Instead, he scrapes with his fingers, leaving blood on the paintwork. Though primroses grow in circles round his feet, you do not want to let him in. You are very busy. It is late or early. And and besides, 
You cannot look at him straight because he makes you want to cry. The dog barks. The wild god smiles. He holds out his hand. The dog licks his wounds and leads him inside. The wild god stands in your kitchen. Ivy is taking over your sideboard. Mistletoe has moved into the lampshades and wrens have begun to sing an old song in the mouth of your kettle. I haven't much, you say, and give him the worst of your food. He sits at the table, bleeding. He coughs up foxes. There are otters in his eyes. When your wife calls down, you close the door and tell her it's fine. You will not let her see the strange guest at your table. The wild god asks for whiskey, and you pour a glass for him, then a glass for yourself. Three snakes are beginning to nest in your voice box. You cough. Oh, limitless space. Oh, eternal mystery. Oh, endless cycles of death and birth. Oh, miracle of life. Oh, the wondrous dance of it all. You cough again, expectorate the snakes, and water down the whiskey, wondering how you got so old and where your passion went. The wild god reaches into a bag made of moles and nightingale skin. He pulls out a two-reeded pipe, raises an eyebrow, and all the birds begin to sing. The fox leaps into your eyes. Otters rush from the darkness. The snakes pour through your body. Your dog howls, and upstairs your wife both exults and weeps at once. The wild god dances with your dog. You dance with the sparrows. A white stag pulls up a stool and bellows hymns to enchantments. A pelican leaps from chair to chair. In the distance, warriors pour from their tombs. Ancient gold grows like grass in the fields. Everyone dreams the words to long-forgotten songs. The hills echo and the gray stones ring with laughter and madness and pain. In the middle of the dance, the house takes off from the ground. Clouds climb through the windows. Lightning pounds its fists on the table. The moon leans in through the window. The wild god points to your side. You are bleeding heavily. You have been bleeding for a long time, possibly since you were born. There is a bear in the wound. Why did you leave me to die? Asks the wild god. And you say, I was busy surviving. The shops were all closed. I didn't know how. I'm sorry. Listen to them. The fox in your neck and the snakes in your arms and the wren and the sparrow and the deer, the great unnameable beasts. 
in your liver, in your kidneys, in your heart, there is a symphony of howling, a cacophony of descent. The wild god nods his head and you wake on the floor holding a knife, a bottle, and a handful of black fur. Your dog is asleep on the table. Your wife is stirring far above. Your cheeks are wet with tears. Your mouth aches from laughter or shouting. A black bear is sitting by the fire. Sometimes a wild god comes to the table. He is awkward and does not know the ways of porcelain, of fork and mustard and silver. His voice makes vinegar from wine, and he brings the dead to life. I don't even have the words for how that poem affects me. It's a great example of archetypal art, I would argue, because it feels very much as though it's happening as you're reading it. It feels alive in the space that we are. And so with all of those images pouring forth, would like you to just notice if there was one that spoke to you in particular or that sparked a memory of another image that is very dear to you or wanting your attention. Just sit with these images for a moment. Now, there are four steps that we're going to take to use the imagination in the way it was intended. The first is identifying a change that you want in your life. This can be a small one. This can be a big one. Go with whatever your gut and your heart are telling you to go with. And in this wild space we are traveling together right now, I just want you to think of the change that is important to you right now. Number two, I want you to think of an image. It could be something that has just found your imagination through the words I have just shared. It could be something that is already known to you. And this image somehow connects to the realization of the change you are wanting. 
so when this wish is fulfilled, the image carries that information. This image resonates the change having arrived. So for example, let's say you have a health issue that you have been dealing with. I don't want you to think of an image that attends the quote-unquote problem. I want you to imagine something, a scene, a sound, a taste, a texture, a feeling, a song that exudes perfect, balanced health, vibrancy, ease of movement, whatever it is. The arrival of the state of balance, that's the image we're going for. It may surprise you. But this is how we communicate with the unconscious. And so when that image is satisfactory for you, when you feel internally that this resonates, you will practice holding that image in quiet space once a day once a day. This could be when you're on a morning walk, when you're meditating. When you're in a warm bath, you will hold the vision of the wish fulfilled. Which brings us to number three. After that one practice session a day, then you forget it. And this, my friends, is as important as doing the image work. You forget it. You do not watch the pot and wait for it to boil because this is where faith comes in. This is where working and leaning into the unknown and leaning into that muscle comes in. You forget about it and you go about your day And in the wisdom of Eckhart Tolle's teachings, as much as possible, you are in the states of acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm. Because in those three states, we are aligned with the flow of life. We're not resisting. If something comes up, we're accepting that that is happening. You know, we may need to take action, may not, but We first accept, yes, this is happening. I'm not going to spend half my day saying this is not happening. If I had a flat tire in the middle of rush hour, this is happening. Okay, I will accept that this happened. And then I will take appropriate action as it arises. Enjoyment and enthusiasm. And remember in the past we've made 
the distinction between those two is enjoyment being, again, sort of self-explanatory, but being in the state where you are enjoying your life. If that means just taking time to taste the coffee or tea on your way to work, then savor them. If it's watching the sky over your lunch hour, if it's having some beautiful music to accompany you, if it's laughing more, do as much as possible to be in the state of enjoyment. Make those choices. And enthusiasm is, is simply that precious moment when we experience grace. That is a gift of the gods. And we don't always know when that's coming, but we can revel in that. And that's an extra jolt, if you will. So to repeat the steps again, number one, conceive of a change that is important to you. Number two, create an image around the arrival, the accomplished state of that. Fully formed. Practice holding that image once a day in a quiet space. Number three then, forget it. And as much as possible, be in acceptance, enjoyment, and enthusiasm, in non-resistance. And then number four, this is important, know that if there's any seeming, and I underline the word seeming, contradictory evidence in the external world that you resist nothing. So let's say back with the health example, maybe you have a flare of a symptom right after you do this imagination work. Ignore it because that is not your reality anymore. You are shifting psychically to a new reality and there will be a bit of static it's just the way it works. There doesn't have to be a lot. Don't lean into that and create a drama around it because we have a certain amount of control as to how we are learning this skill. So if you think this is going to be really hard to do, that's what you will experience. So try not to impose a drama around this new skill. If there's some static, if there's some feedback in the external world, ignore it. Ignore it. It is not your reality. It's like waking up from a bad dream. You know, that wonderful feeling when you're like, oh my God, that was just a dream. That's what you're learning to do now with any feedback is you're like, oh, that's just a bad dream. I have intended my reality. I have already done that. I drop back into that psychic space. And as Neville Goddard says, you interpret anything that happens in form in the form of static or resistance as what he calls the bridge of incidents meaning that's exactly what needed to arrive to carry you to the image fulfilled that's how you quote unquote label that now if there's any static if there's any appearing or seeming evidence you just look at it clear-eyed and say, that's the bridge of incidents. This is exactly what should be coming up to carry me where I'm going. So if you have a symptom flare, awesome. There it is. It's my bridge 
of incidents taking me exactly where I'm going. And we're doing all this in the space of now. We're not imposing any time frame on any of it. It's all happening now. So again, this is not something I want you dwelling on because an important aspect of this is forgetting. But having said that, if there is quote-unquote external evidence that this is not working, that the process has failed, what have you, just say, perfect, here's a bridge of incidents. This is the bridge exactly to where I'm going. And then get back into your state of acceptance, enjoyment, enthusiasm. So again, the four points. Know the change. Imagine the image and spend a little time with its fulfillment, the wish fulfilled in a quiet space. Three, then you forget it and be in acceptance, enjoyment, enthusiasm. And number four, if needed, if there's feedback or static in the system appearing so, it may be the exact right thing that we need, but we're judging it. Whatever's happening, if if the mind is wanting to derail this process, then you stop, resist nothing, and say, this is perfect. This is the bridge of incidents. This bridge, whatever, this symptom, this phone call, this whatever, is taking me exactly where I'm going. In the space of now, we're not imposing any time frames. We're on the universe's time frame for all of these arrivals. And we're fine, right? Because we're in acceptance, enjoyment, and enthusiasm. We're good. We're good. But we are invoking something mighty, like a biblical reference said long ago, if you knew who walked beside you, you would have no worries. I'm paraphrasing. That's what we're invoking here. If we knew the authentic self, the divine that walked beside us. So play with this. Lean into image. Allow beautiful images of all kinds to start to become the way you navigate your life. And we'll check in next time and see what's happening for you. I would love for you to reach out and let me know how this is going. You can connect with me at lauriegreen.net and leave a message. I'm wishing you a beautiful week ahead and we'll touch base again soon. Until next time, take good care.
Hi, everyone. If you're enjoying this podcast, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if my work is nourishing your heart and imagination, consider supporting the Apothecary Podcast. Just follow the links to make a contribution. And for the full scope of my projects and offerings, including my weekly newsletter, visit lorigreen.net.